Hello and welcome in. We really appreciate you joining us for this Thursday edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. It's February 16th and we're deep into the offseason in the Sun Belt. NFL draft preparations are underway for many of the league's standouts and spring practice, Caden, is getting set uh, to get underway around the league. Well, today on episode 67, we're going to be focusing on some of the new faces manning coordinator roles heading into the 2023 season. As we've come to expect in group of five leagues, the Sun Belt once again saw significant turnover among their coordinators. So Kane and I thought it would be great to bring you up to speed with all the new hires in the league. Nine of the league's 28 coordinator positions will be in new hands for the upcoming season. Coastal Carolina, Texas State, and App State will each have two new coordinators uh, for the upcoming year. Kane, we spent a lot of time talking about the turnover in coordinator positions at the group of five level each offseason. What do you make of all the turnover that we saw in the Sun Belt at some of these critical positions this offseason? It's truly inevitable when you look at a conference like the Sun, but I think teams who have success, whether it's on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, are going to get opportunities as far as a coordinator goes to move on to the Power 5 level to coach and make a little bit more money. We talked about a little bit off camera about some of the dynamics that go into that with the Sunbelt as far as money goes and paying these coordinators. But overall, I'm just very excited to see some of these teams. I feel like a lot of these teams are in similar situations and different situations as far as what they're bringing back on each side of the ball and what coaches and coordinators they're now bringing back. And it's going to be very interesting to see some teams maybe lean into their identity. Some teams maybe have a new identity going into this year. So I'm very excited to see some of these coordinators and what they're going to do with some of the talent they have now in the Sunbelt. Yeah, we're going to break down each one of these coordinators in a minute. And Caden, I think to your point, the biggest thing that you see with some of these hires is there are budgets at these institutions. And because of those budgets, you're not necessarily going to see a lot of guys that are coming in with major power five experience at the coordinator position simply because these programs can't afford to do that. So you're going to see guys that come from the FCS ranks or Maybe they were a defensive analyst at the Power 5 level, finally get an opportunity here after a year as a position coach at kind of that group of five level. But you're not seeing slam dunk hires uh, made at these coordinator positions because the Sun Belt and the group of five in general really does become a proving ground for some of these younger coordinators. Yeah, and the college football hierarchy is pretty simple as far as this goes. Every year when you look at the coach turnover, there's going to be half of the, if you look at the whole season of games, there's half wins to go around and half losses to go around. And if you're at that lower F group five level and you get those wins, you're going to get pulled up to the big leagues. You're going to get pulled up by these power five schools, these names that you recognize and see week in and week out. And then vice versa, if you're on the higher level and maybe you don't have as much experience, your team didn't do as hot this year, you might have an opportunity to drop down to a level like the Sun Belt and be able to coach. So this is an ebb and flow of college football that I think we're going to see that we've seen in the past and we're going to continue to see for quite a long time. Yeah, ultimately, it's a natural progression. And I think that's the point that you're trying to make. Well, let's transition to talk some new faces in the league. We're going to break this up exactly how you would think that we would. We're going to go through some of the offensive coordinator hires. There was four in total, one uh, at App State, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, and Texas State. And then we'll take a look at the new defensive coordinators in the league, all headlined by Scott Sloan, Caden, your former coach. I know you're excited to talk about uh, a little bit later on in this episode. But Caden, when you look at the offensive coordinators that were hired uh, in this cycle, you've got Frank Ponce at App State, Travis Trickett at Coastal Carolina, Kevin Decker at Old Dominion, and Mac Lefwich uh, at Texas State. When you look at these hires, you see two guys that bring Power 5 experience uh, to the job, not necessarily as coordinators, but then then you also saw teams like Old Dominion and Texas State kind of go to those FCS ranks, some guys who 
called some really good offensive games last year and their teams were highly successful offensively. But then the question becomes, will that translate uh, to this group of five level? But Caden, the one that kind of stood out here in terms of experience, guys who had experience at this level was Frank Ponce in App State. I know it's a guy that you're very comfortable with, a guy that you've been around. And he came in to replace Kevin Barbet as the offensive coordinator at App State after he departed for Mississippi State. Uh, Frank Ponce comes back to the, you know, to the rock after what was ultimately a failed experiment down in Miami. Uh, he was in charge of coaching the quarterbacks. Tyler Van Dyke took a bit of a step back uh, this past season. There were some that thought he might be a Heisman contender. He was far from that. Um, but he comes back with a resume of winning at this level. Three Sunbelt titles, four Sunbelt title games, a lot that you appeared in as well. And Caden, along with that resume, is success of building fantastic quarterbacks, maybe some diamonds in the rough. You look at a guy like Zach Thomas, Taylor Lamb, guys that we've talked a lot about. What do you ultimately make of the decision to bring Frank Ponce back to uh, the Rock? Well, I think when you look at App State and the moves they made at both, both coordinator spots, it was very clear they wanted to go with someone that was familiar with the program in both jobs. And I think Coach Ponce is more familiar with this App State offense and culture probably than any other coach that you could find out there. You looked at his stint from 2013 to 2018 as the quarterback's coach and eventually the co-offensive coordinator, then coming back in 2021 as the offensive coordinator and just knocked it out of the park that season. So I think if you look at what App State is trying to do, trying to go back to their old ways a little bit, I think going with a guy like Coach Ponce is a great candidate for that just because because of what like you talked about, how he's really nurtured and got the most out of his quarterbacks every single year. You talk about guys like a Taylor Lamb, like a Zach Thomas. Those are guys whose names are painted all over the App State record books as far as seasons go. And we talk about a guy like Chase Bryce, who we know has some polarizing opinions as far as the App State fan base goes. But when you look at his single season he had under Frank Ponce, it was spectacular. He led the conference with 3,337 yards in the air, led the conference in touchdown passes with 27 touchdown passes. Not to mention, while he was in the system, he also had a really good running game and had a very balanced attack. Nando Well and Cam Peoples both ranked in the top five of the conference in rushing yards. Cam led the conference in touchdowns that year with 14 as far as being on the ground. Corey Sutton and Thomas Hennigan were both top five guys in receiving. So he really spread the ball around, got a lot of people involved. And when you look at how he's been able to nurture quarterbacks, huge hire for them, I think, as far as App State goes. But I think now the biggest question is, what is he going to do without those names that we're familiar with? We're having guys now coming in at App State, the quarterback position that nobody's heard of. No one even knows who's waiting in the wings necessarily, some transfer portal movement and stuff like that. So I'm very curious to see what Coach Ponce does this year, just because it looks like as far as the quarterback position goes, this is going to be his hardest task yet. Yeah, and that might be part of the reason for this hire, you know, um, wanting to find a guy that has a proven track record of developing lesser star quarterbacks at a program like App State. And it, and it really feels like that this one was knocked out of the park uh, for App State. And it did kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. It definitely did. It was kind of surprising. And I feel like for both coordinator jobs, App State fans were a little bit on the edge of their seats. But I think as far as Coach Ponce goes, this upcoming season, it was very clear that he knocked it out the park in 2021. I mean, that offense was the second highest in the Sun Belt and was, other than Coastal, the only one that had a top five rushing and passing attack. But I think when you look up ahead at next season, it's going to be very interesting when you look at this App State roster that has a lot more question marks, not only at the quarterback position, but everywhere. So I know he's a guy with Coach Clark in his ear, with Coach Satterfield in his ear, that wanted to really run the ball a lot and have that identity established. But then when you look at this team, maybe they don't get as much push up front. Maybe they have to lean on their wide outs out wide. We really don't know what this App State team is going to look like as far as an identity. I think the question is going to be, can Ponce lean into his talent or is he going to be a little bit more stubborn with that running mentality? Again, we don't. We won't do it on this episode, but maybe later in the offseason, we need to go through and we need to rank the head coaches that are maybe under the most pressure heading into 
uh, this 2023 season. And I would have to put Sean Clark at the top of that. I'm not saying that a bad season could lose to or end up with him not having a job, but there's a lot of pressure uh, up in Boone, North Carolina. Okay, and we'll move on to Coastal Carolina. It's a brand new looking staff after Jamie Chadwell and company uh, left. Tim Beck in as the new head coach and his new hire as the offensive coordinator, Travis Trickett, who comes from South Florida, uh, where he was the offensive coordinator for 2022. He ran a pretty run heavy offense at South Florida. And now he's going to get a much better quarterback. He kind of had to cobble together that offense last year uh, with some backup quarterbacks. Now he gets arguably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. He comes from a coaching family. His brother's the offensive coordinator at Marshall, which I think is going to be a fun storyline at one point this season. Uh, Caden, is this system going to be a good fit, though, for Grayson McCall? We truly won't know until we find out when they kick off, but I do think as far as a pairing goes with a quarterback and a coordinator, whether it's a new one or an old one, really, it's hard to really deny his resume matched up with Tim Beck, matched up with Grayson McCall. I think when you talked about it, touched on it before when you were speaking about him, last year he did have a very, very run-heavy attack at USF. I mean, this was a team that it's kind of hard to evaluate because they weren't very good. They were 1-11. in but they had one of the best na- of the nation's best run games. They had two, seven 200-yard games, that 1,000-yard rusher. They were the fourth best rushing team in the American Conference. But this felt like a thing that was more out of necessity. He, I remember listening to a, a video of Coach Trickett, and he said he's very much a, a dudes versus duds mentality as far as his offensive scheme, which means he's trying to get the ball in his best playmaker's hands and get them against kind of the defense's worst playmakers. And I think when you don't have a good team and you're in a conference that has teams like Tulane, UCF, Houston, Memphis, and you don't have those dudes you kind of have to force your hand and run the ball a little bit but when you look at Grayson McCall it's a completely different situation for me and him it's a complete 180 as far as the offense he's being inherited versus what he had at USF so I think he has a great reputation in the coaching ranks as far as someone who can develop a quarterback and teach a quarterback well in the system and I think if you combine that with a Tim Beck who also is very experienced in the quarterback game and the offensive game plan it looks like a match made in heaven truly and I think Will Grayson take another leap? I think that should honestly be a question that's asked and a possibility. He was a very great quarterback last year, the point guard of the offense. I've talked numerous occasions on this podcast about how great of a quarterback he is, but I think this system might challenge him a little bit more as far as his arm talent goes, and if he's able to answer the bell with that, we could see him have even a better year than he's had in past years. Yeah, and ultimately that could be huge for Grayson McCall's draft stock and and part of the reason maybe why he chose to stick around. He's coming into an offensive system that is going to be a little bit more of a pro-style type of system, and that has been uh, the biggest knock on Grayson McCall in his career is he's been really good in Jamie Chadwell's system, but you're not going to see that at the next level. And so it will be interesting to see how that Tim Beck-Travis Trickett combo uh, work at Coastal Carolina and something we'll be keeping an eye on. Caden, Old Dominion, this is a really interesting one. They bring in Kevin Decker. Um, you know, we talked with David Hall several episodes ago about the season that it was up in Norfolk. And for most of the year, they didn't really have a true offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is let go just weeks before the season. And then they have, you know, a guy on the staff that really had never called plays call. Well, now they finally have that true offensive coordinator, although this will be his first FBS job. He comes over from Fordham at the FCS level where he was the offensive coordinator from 2019 to 22. Caden, I know you'll get into this in a moment, but I'm really excited to talk about this Josh Heupel-like offense that he ran at Fordham and how that's going to translate to Old Dominion because when he ran it at Fordham, the proof was in the pudding. One of the best offenses in the country last year, 600 yards per game, 49 and a half points per game put up by Fordham, and I'm excited to see if that could potentially translate 
to the Sun Belt. And if it does, watch out for Old Dominion. Yeah, and I think his experience as a, just an offensive coordinator at Brown and Fordham a little bit is definitely a little bit concerning as far as a coach in general, especially when you compound that with this team having the worst scoring offense in the league last year, only having 19 and a half points per game. But where I am a little bit more hopeful is what you touched on before, him running that Josh Heupel high-tempo offensive system. Really cool story about that COVID season getting canceled for him and being able to go in the lab, kind of study Josh Heupel's system, take after it. And I think as a defensive player, personally, I can't think of anything worse to defend than the tempo. It has nothing to do with talent. It has everything to do with just the pace your offense is running at. And if they're moving the chains, it doesn't matter who's lined up across from you. If you have to get the play in fast and react fast, it's definitely something that's not fun for defenses to defend. So I'm definitely excited to watch and see if it does translate. I think that's one of the biggest question marks for this Old Dominion offense is that high tempo level offense that we saw at the FCS level going to be able to transfer transfer over to Old Dominion at the FBS level, especially when you have a quarterback like Hayden Wolf, who is a senior. He's an older guy. He's more experienced. I think there is reason to be a little bit more hopeful as far as who your quarterback is and running the system. It's just going to be a matter of time to see if it works or not and if they put the work in in the spring and it pays off in the fall for them. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we saw Tennessee have a ton of success this past year. Uh, You saw Hendon Hooker take a big leap forward in the midst of that system as an older guy. Uh, so maybe Hayden Wolf, I'm not saying he's Hendon Hooker, but maybe he could take a step forward in a new style of offense. Caden, uh, we just talked about the number two offense in all of Division One football this past year, and now we're going to talk about the coordinator who was in charge of the number one offense, and that was Mac Lefwich. Uh, he will be the new offensive coordinator at Texas State. He follows G.J. Kinney over from Incarnate Word, uh, where he was the offensive coordinator last season, and Man, the proof, again, was in the pudding. Lindsey Scott, he turned him into a Walter Payton uh, Award winner, which is the FCS Heisman. I know uh, Robert Griffin III was even talking like Lindsey Scott should have been considered to be in New York. He was that good uh, this past year. Uh, His offense averages 53 points a game, 373 yards per game through the air last season. And as I mentioned, it was the number one offense in all of Division I when you look at FBS and FCS. Caden, I'm excited about this hire, and I think what you see with Old Dominion and Texas State is really a trend towards some high-powered, fun offenses, and for teams that have been at the bottom of this conference or of their leagues in recent seasons, I think that that could be a, a pretty exciting and could create a lot of fun uh, in the Sun Belt in years to come. Yeah, and what they're also similar with the two jobs at Old Dominion and Texas State and their hires is that these are both former college quarterbacks. And if you look at Kevin Decker, this is a guy that played at UTEP from 2013 to 2015. He's 28 years old. I almost I was one year away from playing at the same age and time at college as this guy. So it's pretty crazy when you look at both of these teams going younger and going with a different up-tempo style of offense. But I think, like we talked about before, it's going to be a question of if this offense can translate to the next level. And I think when you look at the job that left which it did at incarnate world it's word it's it's truly impressive you look at the numbers that they had they had 52 points per game and 581 yards per game we know that that's not going to translate to the sun belt as far as pure numbers they're not going to be able to be that efficient but if they're able to scratch the surface and have that tempo and put pressure on defenses it's going to be very promising and i think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful in san marcos especially when you look at the quarterback talent that they're bringing in you looked at his years at um 
incarnate world left, which had three All-American quarterbacks at the helm in his three different seasons there. But if you look at their play styles, they all had different skill sets. He had a pocket pass, he had a dual threat guy. And now he's getting a guy like Malik Hornsby, who transfers from Arkansas, is going to be one of the most explosive athletes in the conference when you look at this year. Plus, you look at some of the in-state talent they've required and were able to retain. You look at their wide receiver, one Ashton Hawkins return. You look at the freshman team MVP we had before and Charles Brown at wide receiver as well. I think they have talent out wide in this offensive system. Some of these guys may be able to flourish. I don't think we're going to see 52 points per game out of Texas State, but I think there's a lot to be hopeful for in San Marcos. Man, I feel like the more you and I talk about Texas State, there is a chance heading into next season that they might be one of the sleeper picks uh, in the West. So that's another topic for later in the offseason. But Kane, we'll move on to talk some defensive coordinators. And, you know, as I look down this list, with the exception of Scott Sloan, who we're going to talk about first in a moment, Uh, This is a group that is pretty light on FBS coordinator experience. You've got Scott Sloan, who was uh, the defensive coordinator, safeties coach at Georgia Southern. More on him in a minute. Uh, Craig Niver at Coastal Carolina. Jason Seymour. Although that one hasn't been officially announced. His agent has confirmed he's going there. Marshall just hasn't put out the press release yet. Uh, Dan O'Brien gets the promotion at Southern Miss. And then Jonathan Patkey at Texas State, who we'll get to last. But Caden, let's talk about Scott Sloan, and I expect you to have some good information on this hire because this was a guy that uh, you know kind of helped mold a young Cato into ultimately a guy who became an all-conference safety, but he brings over 30 years of experience. He was on the Mountaineers from 2010 to 2017. I know you and I were texting earlier today. He was a big reason why you ended up committing to go to App State. Caden, uh, enough of a lead-in here. What do you think of this hire? I'm very excited about it. And I think everything you said was very accurate, not even exaggeration. I'll never forget when Coach Sloan recruited me for the first time. And I'm on a three and seven Mountain View team in Georgia that hasn't won anything. And the first thing he does is take off his ring and hand it to me and say, hey, we just got one of these, like, check it out. And I'm a, I'm an 18 year old. I'm like, I've never got a ring before in anything. Where do I sign? But App State and him You've were got just a few so now. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit later, I got five or six of them things, but shout out to Coach Sloan for getting me there in the first place. But I think he's a great recruiter. Like we can talk about more in depth later, but I think that his recruiting is going to be one thing. He's going to get some guys to play there, but I think his defensive expertise and mainly his just knowledge of the App State culture is going to take this team so far. If you look at all the new hires that we have across the conference, I think no one's going to be able to compete with Coach Sloan as far as not one, just being a brilliant defensive mind and two, a guy who understands and knows the culture of the program. It's not anything new to him. I remember, and I'll never forget, when he had to actually leave and go to Georgia Southern. You could tell it's not something that he necessarily wanted to do. I felt like he, at the time he deserved that defensive coordinator job, didn't get it and had to move on. And always kind of felt in my gut that he'd come back. But you look at him, man, goes seven years at App State, knows the program like the back of his hand, spends a few years at Southern, does a great job with that defense as well. And then as the co-defensive coordinator at Army, they had a third-ranked nationally pass defense. So he's been killing it this time with app and without app. And I think in my opinion, it's slammed them higher. Obviously I know I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's a really knocking out of the park higher as far as app state getting coach Sloan back in the building. Do you expect a lot to change schematically at app state under Scott Sloan? Or do you think we're going to see a very similar app state defense that maybe we saw during those championship years? I expect it to look very similar. I think that was one of the more interesting storylines when you look at app state this off season, because what they did in the transfer portal and what they did with some of the recruits was they got a lot of big, strong defensive lineman and you look at app state's three down lineman system in the past that's a system that's usually had smaller quicker more explosive defensive linemen that can get in those gaps that can take on double teams but i think when you look at coach sloan coming back to app state 
he ran the same defense at Georgia Southern when he was first there. And they had that same personnel as far as bigger guys up front. He was very successful in his time there. They were a top three defense every year as far as yards per game and points allowed per game. They were even number one in yards per game in 2020 with a very similar personnel that they have now. So I think as far as personnel goes and scheme goes, it's not going to be very different, but I think it might look more like those Georgia Southern teams he coached versus App State teams in the past. Well, those were some pretty good uh, defensive teams at Georgia Southern under uh, Scott Sloan. So definitely, I feel like this was a great hire and definitely uh, much needed uh, for App State heading into the 2023 season. Caden, Coastal Carolina's Craig Niver. He brings a lot of Power 5 experience, six years in total. Uh, He served on the Texas coaching staff with Tim Beck from 2017 to 19. He's had a couple of separate stints at Texas State as a defensive coordinator back in their FCS days. Uh, Former co-DC at Houston. Uh, Kane, when you look at the teams that he has, you know, kind of coached in the past, uh, you really do tend to expect a heavy emphasis on trying to stop the run for Coastal Carolina, which would be a welcome sign after some of the issues we saw from them this past season. Definitely. And Coach Niver is probably the only other coach on this list that has as much experience as a guy like Coach Sloan. But he's been to numerous big name schools and has been a journeyman as far as college football coaching goes. And he's very experienced. And I think one of the bigger concerns for me truly is you talked about that run stopping ability. They're going to be able to stop the run. That's been a staple in what he's hung his hat on as far as his scheme goes. But I'm more worried about the pass defense. Coastal had one of the worst pass defenses. Sorry, the worst pass defense in the league last year. And I think as a guy who's been a safeties coach at so many other places, he's going to have a big task as far as getting those safeties better and getting that back end more up front. But he was on staff with Tim Beck at Texas a couple years ago, and that team ran a 3-4 scheme. And Coastal Carolina, when you just look at their struggles they had in the secondary last year, I'm very questionable and just curious to see if they still lean into that scheme, just because that is a scheme that is catered more towards your front seven and puts a lot more pressure on your defensive backs. And just looking at what they had last year, that's the last thing they need to do is put more pressure on that back end that had some struggles. But also at Texas with Tim Beck, the 2018 season they had where he was the offensive coordinator and Niver was the defensive coordinator, Tim Beck's offense carried them. That was a Texas team that had 300 yards per game, went eight and four in the season. And their defense definitely had some liabilities and wasn't the best unit in the Big 12 or in the country. And I think that's what we saw last year at Coastal Carolina. They kind of got drugged with Grayson McCall all the way up to the conference championship game. Their defense had their moments, but for the most part, wasn't too reliable. So I'm very curious to see if we see a lot of the same next year with Craig Niver at the helm of the defensive coordinator. Yeah, this one I think will be one of the more fascinating uh, coordinator hires uh, to really keep an eye on in this cycle. Kane, let's move on to uh, Marshall's new hire that hasn't officially been announced, but it's definitely been reported. And even this coach's agent has confirmed that he has accepted the offer sheet at Marshall. But uh, Jason Seymour uh, will be taking over for Lance Gidry, who, you know, kind of pulled the ultimate switcheroo. He takes the job at Tulane and then a month later, a better job opens up at Miami and uh, he ends up down in Miami. Uh, But they bring in Scott or Jason Seymour, rather. Um, and he was the former linebackers coach at Georgia Tech last season. He was a former defensive coordinator for Valdosta State during their NCAA Division II championship run in 2021. And Caden, the biggest thing I think for Seymour is he's got some big names coming back. Micah Abraham's back, Owen Porter, Eli Neal. This was a team last year that was a top six nationally defense in scoring as well as total defense and then even top five and run defense. I feel like all the pieces are there for a guy like Jason Seymour to step in and have quick success at Marshall. 
Yeah, this is the most recent hire, and it's one of my favorites. And a lot of it has to do with what he's inheriting as far as the defensive side of the ball. This defense is stellar. There's a reason why Lance Jardy had his choice of Tulane and Miami coming on the stretch because that Marshall defense was so impressive. But I think when you look at Seymour's resume, it might lack some of the bigger name experience you're looking for. But when you just look at the stops he's made and when he, what he's been able to do at every position, I think he has one of the more intriguing resumes as far as experience and upside. When he was at Georgia Tech as their linebackers coach last season, that Georgia Tech team just honestly wasn't good. But you look at his position group specifically he had two all acc linebackers that he coached up at georgia tech out of like you look at the acc and the talent they have there that's very impressive to me personally as far as development goes and being able to coach your position group specifically and even before that he was an analyst at georgia tech and i just like the cerebral nature of being able to learn more about defensive scheme in there and you touched on his stint at this the defensive coordinator at valdosta state if you're going to make a division do coaching stop, Valdosta State, sorry, is one of the places to do it. One of the most, probably the smartest coach I've ever had at the college level was James Rowe, who had experience at Valdosta State as well. And at the division two level, look at the state of Georgia, that school gets a ton of talent, whether it's people having off the field issues, grade issues, they get a lot of talent and they win championships, a championship program. And he has experience coaching talented guys, talented guys like he's going to coach at Marshall. So I think when you combine all of that, the talent he's getting and inheriting at Marshall, I think it's a really good fit and i'm very excited to see what seymour does next year in marshall yeah i think that one could be a very strong hire for marshall uh you know a little bit off the beaten path there but certainly a guy that appears you know set up for success in his first season Caden, the next one up dan o'brien at southern miss he was elevated from the safeties coach uh once austin armstrong departed for alabama uh the previous two seasons to his time at southern miss he was at georgia Uh, And then five years at Navy. Caden, I think the most impressive thing about Dan O'Brien is some of the coaches that he has worked under. He was a former defensive analyst under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart at Alabama for four seasons. We know their resumes. His first job, though, actually in football was all the way back in 2005 as an intern under Bill Belichick in the Patriots scouting department. So he has learned from some of the best and he's the type of guy now that you really think could step in and, and, and be successful. And let's be honest, when you promote from within, there's probably not a lot that's changing on this defense because they were highly successful a year ago. Most definitely. You name some of those names, the Kirby Smarts, the Nick Saban, the Bill Belichick. So there's some Mount Rushmore guys as far as coaching the game of football. So it's very clear that he's going to be familiar with that defensive DNA, that defensive culture, and really just that football culture in general. So very excited to have him instill that, or I guess reinstill that into Southern Miss. But you talked about it. Getting hired within the program is just a really a wise move, in my opinion, especially if your defense or whatever your respective side of the ball is, is a good one. When you have the safeties coach coming back, it's a guy that everyone on the defense is going to be from or with. There's going to be a ton of continuity there. And I think these players are just going to feel like it's the same exact team from last year. And I think when you have a good defense, it's hard to keep that continuity. I think that's what made, not to toot my own horn, some of those App State teams in the past so great is that we had so much different coach turnover from outside guys. But the fact that we were able to still sustain that success is what kept us and made that group so special. But this group is going to have the same expectations, the same everything as far as scheme goes and being able to lean into that and lean into their talents. Very excited to see it. They're still going to be a team that gets after the quarterback that led the team, the league in sacks last year. They're still going to stop the run. They're still going to have their games where they hold teams under 20 points. So if you're Dan O'Brien, this is another slam dunk hire, I think, as far as Southern Miss and what they're doing and try to keep and sustain that defensive culture. Yeah, that one will be interesting, I think, to your point of promoting from within and some of those schemes. I think of, you know, being up here in South Carolina, you and Georgia, I think of, you know, a Clemson program that has kind of promoted from within and they've seen mixed results. 
uh, on some hire. So it'll be interesting to pay attention to this one at Southern Miss. Caden, last one here. We'll go through this one quickly, but Jonathan Patkey at Texas State, another one of these guys that follows G.J. Kinney from Incarnate Word. Uh, the defense he coached last year, though, was really good. Uh, top 10 in sacks and takeaways. Um, they led the Southland in scoring defense in total touchdowns. Uh, he's a guy that is kind of a Manny Diaz disciple. He's followed him all over the country to Louisiana Tech, Mississippi State, and Miami. Uh, this will be his first time being a defensive coordinator at the non-FCS level. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, I have the same concerns that I talked about with other coaches that are entering this conference with less experience. But I think out of all the coordinators, this is actually the one I'm the most worried about just because you look at what they did at our incarnate word. He had a great and stellar defense like you talked about. They were very good at stopping the run. They were a top three, I believe, defense in that conference. But when you look at the offense that they had, it's even more impressive when you look at whatever they were able to do at the FCS level just because you look at Tennessee's defense, that was a rough defense to be a part of this year as far as a high-tempo attack. Your defense is going to be on the field a lot when your offense is scoring a lot of points. But I think when you look at this scenario, we talked about it before, that system and scheme and those numbers in production are not going to translate on the offensive end for Texas State. And this defense is going to be on the field more, not because their offense is scoring a ton of points, because they are going to get stopped. This is FBS football. This is Sunbelt football. There are some stout defenses out here. So I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on Jonathan Packey's defense compared to where it was at Incarnate World. But I think the good news about it is that this Texas defense, Texas State defense, really wasn't that bad last year. They were pretty solid at stopping the run. They had 117 yards per game holding opponents to the fourth best in the conference. And overall, they only gave up 26 points a game. So I think there's going to be more pressure on his position specifically compared to some of the rest as far as the ebbs and flows of the offense and defense. But he is inheriting a little bit better of a defense than some of these other coordinators. Yeah, I couldn't agree, agree with you anymore. Um, you know, I think it's it's interesting when you look at all these coordinators, and obviously we've now broken down all nine uh, just some of the lack of experience that's coming in. And again, we touched on that to start this episode. It's almost what you expect. The group of five level, the Sun Belt, has proven to be a proving ground for coaches. Uh, and so we could be seeing the next wave of great Sun Belt uh, coordinators come through. And it will certainly be interesting uh, to keep our eyes on that as we head into the season. Well, that will do it for another fun episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Tuesday next week. And we're going to be breaking the mailbag back out and answering all your Sunbelt football offseason questions. Hit us up over the next couple of days at our new email address, Smith at gmail.com with the questions you'd like answered. Shoot us a message. Shoot us a quick note. We love hearing from you, our listeners, and can't wait to answer some of those questions live on Tuesday's episode. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out and the show out. We'll continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date on all the latest happenings from around the Sun Belt Conference. So for Caden Smith, Richmond, and Brett, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you being with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>